he's here. Espelin9466. Um, and we get some fucking Visa 3 backstory. Uh-huh. And this I find really interesting, given what we were what we learned in the departure, talking to Aftran. We learned that uh Esplin9466, from here on Esplin, because that's a mouthful. Um, that uh and how he was born a twin along mm-hmm. with several hundred brothers and sisters. Um and that's you know he's a twin because he has that double number in the designation. Mm-hmm. And he explains how he was he has never been lived on the Yurk home world. He was born in as he describes it, a sterile titanium alloy tank beneath the warmth of a portable Candrona. It's all he knows. Mm-hmm. Our older Yerks talk about what the pools were like at home, of the smells and temperatures, of their size and spaciousness, of their traditions that stretched back for hundreds of generations. Um, and he describes it as being simple and crude because um, it had been constructed by Ged's um, who he describes as imperfect hosts. Um, but there aren't enough hosts. As we said, they got quarter of a million off the uh, Yerks off the home world, and they've been making more. Like mm-hmm. uh, the Yerk date we got was this is the next generation. Mm-hmm. So you seem like, I'm sorry, so what that makes him first generation space born Yerk, I guess. Yep. And um, so they don't have enough hosts for everybody. Um, it's not on that space, the craft he's on. And so, so we lived in our pool as simple yurks must, and I would have lived happily enough. And ain't that just a fucking thing to leave hanging there like it's nothing? Mm-hmm. Um, because then comes training. Um, and... We get the description about how there are a certain number of Geds um, who are like not suitable for work, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, that are used as training hosts. You get 15 minutes, you enter the host body, you take it, you, and then after 15 minutes, you release it and leave. Yeah. And that's all the time you get because there's so many untrained jerks and so few available hosts. Mm-hmm. They line up um, and Espelin describes as being impatient and mm-hmm. afraid. Um, and he's like, yeah, I admit it, afraid. And how he's heard stories, you hear stories about how it's like hallucinatory sensory input about this strange sensation about feeling your own body through unfamiliar limbs, but how you can't know it until you do it. Mm-hmm. Um and we get this description of what it's like from the Yerk perspective to infest somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's genuinely very interesting to read until the horror of it be what it means that he, what he's saying is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Very fragile. Yes. But talks about how his sonar stops being able to work. Um, and how his palops encounter a surface alive with electricity and how that's the brain. Um, he talks about making contact, uh, contact. And then it's sort of like that connection is firing and then he's there. And he loves it. Mm-hmm. Instantly. It's joyous. 
Um, and that's before he really starts interacting much with those. Just like the experience of having a body mm-hmm. is got him like arse over kill. Mm-hmm. And then he opens the Ged's eyes and experiences sight. And we know from Aftran about how much that can be. Mm-hmm. And he looks around and he takes in the sight of the inside of the spacecraft and he looks down at the, his own pool and comments on it being small, dark, and insignificant. And he sees uh, other yurks, um, just like something grey and wet. And in a flash I knew that this one sense was more powerful than every other sense combined. Sight plus powerful limbs, it was inconceivable. And then his time's up. He has to leave the host, goes back to the pool, and um, like chatting with his friends and siblings... Just like the note of fucking Vista 3 talking about friends and siblings. <laughs> um, and about how a lot of them find it terrifying, sickening, awful. Go figure. Yoke, some yokes don't like having a host. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, but Vista 3, I'm sorry, Esplan is just like, from that moment on, I swore that I would do whatever it took, pay any price to have eyes again. But it's also like, there's more than a quarter of a million of us. So few hosts, only the most useful, the most fit Yerks are going to be given hosts. And he decides, okay, I will be the most fit. I will be the most useful. And what this savvy motherfucker does, they figured out a way to tap into the computer of this Andalite ship that mm-hmm. they've stolen. Um, but And how it's only the science, scientists and technicians that care about the ship. But uh, he's like, okay. And he starts learning about Andalites. And that, uh, he comes across the phrase, know your friends well, know your enemies better. And he just knows that that's going to be his calling. He's going to learn all this computer holds about the magnificent, powerful creatures called Andalites. Someday we would face the Andalites in battle. Then I would be needed. He is so smart. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to like it, but like his understanding of the Yerk structure and his situation mm-hmm. and how to make himself stand out in it is just, oh, buddy, if only you could have kept that self-awareness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm of the mind that when after the events of this book, Esplin mm. tips over the edge of ambitious to obsessed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, because like here, where he gets the taste of sight and then determines mm-hmm. that he's going to do whatever the fuck it takes to get that. Yeah. At the end of this book, spoilers, he gets a taste of what it would be like to infest an Andalite. And I think that... Mm-hmm. tips him over the edge into obsessed and he becomes the Esplan that we see on the Taxon homeworld later. Mm-hmm. And then he infests a Lauren. A Lauren who we know is this angry, driven, obsessive person. Arrogant. 
arrogant, yeah, uh, and traumatized. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what again we were talking about in nineteen about how the perhaps subconscious influence of a mm-hmm. host on the yerk, mm-hmm. and it's just like. When obsession meets that kind of rage and drive and, yeah. like you say, arrogance. Because I don't think Espelin reads as arrogant in this book. No. It's like driven, ambitious, yeah. yes. Yeah. But, like, he is very careful mm-hmm. a lot of the time, which makes it so kind of hilarious that all the bad she keeps happening to him. <laughs> <laughs> Esplin feels very much like the Marco in this book. <laughs> Any bad injury that happens, he's going to get it. Um, yeah. But he's cautious mm-hmm. and he takes steps and he's aware. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting to think about how his own ambition and obsessiveness and that need, now I'm thinking about it, like that need for all out war. Mm-hmm. How much of that is him and how much of that is a Lauren? Mm hmm. <sighs> these books i swear <laughs> if you dig in i'm like just keeps going yeah there's, there's more in here yeah <laughs> you mean these aren't just silly books about pe- kids turning into animals what <laughs> what <laughs> um but yeah so esplin here on on a mission gonna get a host yep uh, and we go back to aldrea who yeah. has uh, been skipping on homework. <laughs> um, yeah. There is some particularly unpleasant ableism, colonial bullshit in this one from Ciro. And very much yeah. that white saviour kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, extremely dismissive. Yes. Uh, because... because mm-hmm. Her dad is basically like, oh, you know, you're not making your regular data entries about your ongoing friendship with Dak. <laughs> and uh, and she's like, oh, you know, I kind of fell out of habit. And he's like, uh, but we have a mission here. We're supposed to be learning about the Hork-Bajir. And Aldrea in her head is like, mm, we're supposed to be making sure the Yerks don't want to take this planet. Not just learn about the Hork-Bajir, but sure, dad. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> And she goes on to explain that, like, she is learning about the Hork-Bajir, but she doesn't want to keep t- transcribing everything because she feels like a spy. Like, it feels it feels gross to, like, be having these genuine interactions with someone and then come back and, like, write it down in something that her dad is reading mm-hmm. as, like, a treatise on the species, I guess. Yeah. Um, like, that definitely feels gross. And then, uh, and then her dad. Mm-hmm. It's just uh okay, you know, we get we get a bunch of thing about what's been happening in the in the wider galaxy. Yes. That the Yerks have attacked a moon colonized by the Scritnar and have ships and weapons. Uh they attacked a Horjabran colony uh-huh. ship. And they tried to infest them, but because of the way Horjabran's brains aren't centralized but rather spread out through nodes, um, that's no use to them. So they left them there to die. Uh, and a Adelaide courier came across the ship with 8,000 Hordron just frozen in the vacuum of space where their life support had been damaged in the attack. Um, 
and how um, a group of ongaic minstrels had been taken and successfully uh, infested. Get the comment that they're pretty nomadic and spread out around the galaxy, so at least their race would survive because otherwise the X have to hunt down millions of ships. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ciro's just like the Yerks on the homeworld would have been peaceful. Um, the years since the attack that had destroyed his honor. Um, and yeah, we get this interesting observation from Aldera about I didn't point out that the Yerks on the homeworld had no choice. An Andalite fleet was parked in orbit above them, ready to shred anything that tried to come or go in the system. Mm-hmm. But yes, now we now Ciro being gross. Uh, basically, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you for trying to keep Dax's trust, but, like, he's a hork I don't think he understands the concept of trust or spying. And it's like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. Just like, he is hork not Andalite. My bird in my backyard understands trust. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, like... <sighs> Yeah, the hawk bajir, I've been, yeah, like, I'll just, like, that kind of stands more than you might think. And so it's, like, more every day. Um, and Ciro clearly thinks, you know, especially as, like, the hawk bajir I've encountered barely function at the level of a small child. Like, who also understand trust? <laughs> Fuck's sake. You promise a kid a cupcake, you don't give that kid a cupcake? <laughs> you are the enemy. <laughs> like, Kids know. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it's just like, and here, this is so fucking gross. Yeah. Um, the Yerks were so fascinating, highly intelligent, yet so limited physically. It's as if the Hawk Bajir are the exact opposite. Physically impressive, mentally, well, simple. And it's just like, one, that insight into why the Yerks were worth befriending. Mm-hmm. which we're going to hear about again later. It's just like we can see what he values. Mm-hmm. As, as incorrect as his assumptions are as well, but it's just sort of like so telling. Yeah. Um, and perfect proof that people don't listen to Aldrea. Because mm-hmm. she's just like, I think Aldakami is different. He can read now and write and he can do basic math. He's up to calculus. I think he may be capable of n-dimensional geometry. In a couple of months, mm-hmm. like he's gotten to that point, and Sirius is like, "Well, your mother has studied the intellectual capacity of Hawk Bajir. I assure you, they're not capable of reading." Just like, but your your daughter just fucking told you, dude. Mm-hmm. But um, this is not, and uh, this is not the first conversation she's tried to have about yeah. this. Like her parents just assume she's exaggerating. Barafin believes her, but doesn't care. Uh, poor kid is just fucking depressed. He can't yeah. climb the trees. There's no other Andalites around, so he just plays computer games all day. Mm-hmm. Um, Ciro's given up trying to communicate because they simply had nothing to say that interested him. Um, and her mother's like happily wandering off studying the local like flora and fauna. Yeah. And so Aldrea. She's just been spending her time with Dak, exploring. Mm-hmm. And she's learned to walk on the slant. Um, and, uh, but Dak, and comments that Dak moves through the trees. Mm-hmm. And um, 
this is where uh, fun things get fun. Um, <laughs> as they're sort of moving around, Aldera spots um, an animal. Uh, Dak explains to her that it's a chidu. Uh Sounds like the description, more, no more than two feet long, covered in deep blue feathers. It had four short legs and two elongated arms ending in claws. It sounds a little bit like a feathered sugar glider. Uh-huh. And it's adorable, and I want one. Just, <laughs> I would like a little Shadoo plushie, please. Just, that would be great. Um, but, and she recognizes that, um, it moves by jumping through trees and it can glide. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dax just like, oh, do you want me to bring it to you? And Adra's just like, oh, this is going to be so bad if they find out. And then we get the, if they find out, <laughs> if. If it's good. I love Hercules. Um, <laughs> and and Joe's just like, yeah, if you can catch it. He's just like, yeah, of course I can. And this is, he just like makes a little slash in a tree to collect some sap mm-hmm. or juice or a syrup from this tree and just holds it out. And this little creature comes along. And uh, like, I love how it's, Dax is just gathering it up carefully. He just hops the casually drops 20 himself 20 feet down to the ground mm-hmm. and just okay here you go and then we get <laughs> and i was just like do you understand the idea of a secret and i appreciate the as she explains what a secret is dak immediately is like mm, mm, what's it for <laughs> um he now, yeah, his ability, Dak had come an amazing way in a very short time. His ability to speak was incredibly improved, for example, and he now fully understood the concepts of plan- planets, stars, and galaxies. But he was still Hawk Bajir, and I was still Andalite. Trust me, I said, and never tell anyone what you're about to see. And Aldera acquires the Chidu's DNA. There's something about this I think about that Hawk Bajir and I'm still Andalite compared mm-hmm. to like the observe the uh, observation of like the similarities between humans and Andalites and the ability to like bullshit and stuff like that. Uh huh. And it's just sort of like, mm. and I, and it's not there, but this is me just spitballing. I hate the implication that other people that aren't smart enough to lie. Yeah. Because that's one, that's just bullshit generally. Again, I've seen animals fuck with each other. It might not have the same emotional connotations, but like animals understand deceit to an extent. Mm -hmm. And it's like, have you considered that maybe their society didn't evolve the need to fucking lie Mm -hmm. because of the way they function as a group? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but to be fair, if I lived in a society that could effectively like broadcast their thoughts into each other's head, I would probably want to get better at lying. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. I but, uh, I like I, the implication that the big difference between Andalites and Horkbajir are that Horkbajir don't tell secrets or lie. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the implication that the reason for that is because Horkbajir are dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, also i just love this whole Mm -hmm. interaction between the two of them 
It's very cute. It's super cute. For the sake of referencing another Disney movie, because I am, <laughs> like, we are all beholden to the mouse here in the West. It is the, the tragicness of our being. But um, it feels very Tarzan and Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like maybe like him bringing her things to draw and stuff like that. And it's yeah. got a little quality of that. And, and it feels very wholesome because like she couldn't have gotten that. He had to do yeah. it. And mm-hmm. the way he does it is so indicative of who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. He knows his world. He knows how to do this. Mm-hmm. So, um, but let me just say, shout out to girl boss Aldrea for like, because she wasn't like an Aerith's or if she it's kind of maybe she wasn't allowed to be because of being Ciro's daughter. This girl somehow got a f- fucking access to an Escafrol device <laughs> and acquired the morphing ability. And it's like, yes, we start a problematic queen. <laughs> um, but yeah. It does like her parents don't know she did this, and I just I want to know fucking the story of Aldrea going and acquiring this brand new technology. Like yeah. I'm going to be a warrior. Oh, there's a new tech that will let you turn into something bigger. Yes, please. Yeah. Do I I, I kind of like the implication here that like she didn't even tell her friend because the the way she had access to it is she has a friend whose mother was one of the designers of the Escafel device, and ah. it says here she had shown it to me. I'd used it. Mm-hmm. Which maybe implies her friend doesn't know that she used it. <laughs> oh, wow. This thing in mum's design is so cool. Hey, can you get me a soda? Okay, <laughs> thanks. One of those Dr. Peppers. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she's just like, okay, this is going to be weird. This is technology, not magic. It's like, mm, okay. Uh, like, he understands technology. It's just like, and she's like, like, nobody knows I can do this. It, this is why it's a secret. And now I'm going to turn into a to do. <laughs> and we get this information like, it's the technology is so new. Yes. That there are plenty of Andalites who doubt its safety. Mm-hmm. Which I really like that connotation. Like, obviously, the events of canon are 30 years ish after this. Mm hmm. But it's like, I, it just makes like the way the kids use the, the morphing ability compared uh-huh. to how Andalites do. It's just, uh-huh. it's, that, it's that human ingenuity, man. Yeah, well, it's also, they've been given to it without the context that it's this weird experimental yeah. technology. Yeah, that's true. Alfang <laughs> <laughs> was just like, here, I will bestow upon you this power to save your world. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool. Just And all he says is, yeah, just to our limit. Yeah, that's yeah. all you need to know. <laughs> um, I like the idea that all of the bullshit that they go through is just because it's experimental technology. Oh, like allergies and stuff yeah. like that. That's fucking good. <laughs> and why Axe could only ever explain so much about what's yeah. happening. Um, but yeah, uh, and she's just tell and uh, Aldrea tells him just like, okay, don't be afraid. It's not going to take long. And she morphs. Uh, we get this great morph description. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, she she fully morphs and uh, ob- observes that the Chidu's brains are very gentle and instinct because um, it's not an environment with predators, mm-hmm. so it's close enough to being tame because mm-hmm. it has no reason to run from anything. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, thought speaks. It's still me, and he's just like, "You've become a to do." And to be fair, <laughs> if the the strange alien girl that was my best friend just turned into an animal in front of me, I'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. <laughs> He takes it much better than I feel like a lot of people would have. Yeah, frankly. very much in stride. Um, but yeah, and and she's just like, okay, my mind is still me, but I want to know what it's like in your world up in the trees. And this is lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aldrea just like fucking takes off, tiny little thing, riding vertically straight up. Um. Uh, and Dak keeps up with her the whole time. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, then we get a, uh, I will show you my world. <laughs> I'm going to keep fucking referencing Disney. You know that scene with the squirrels in the side of the stone? <laughs> <laughs> I think squirrel deserved better, I'm just saying. I, I am uh, amused that that's your pull and not Aladdin. Well, uh, yeah, that's the obvious one with I can show you the world. <laughs> She's turned into what is basically a sugar glider. I feel the squirrel scene <laughs> from Sword of the Stone is a better pull. Frankly. <laughs> you bring the canonical evidence, I bring the possibly misplaced but enjoyable references for our listeners. It's my role in the podcast, don't you? <laughs> but this is great they're they're like doing a race and she's chasing him and fucking he makes this massive jump uh which is just like so much and uh she jumps after him Mm -hmm. uh and glides down and then it's a game a wild, insane romp, leaping across the void, snatching branches from midair, scampering, leaping again. But always Dak led the way, chewed a tree along a path he knew as well as I know my own meadow back on the home world. The trees were changing, the bark became thicker, the treetops higher and higher. At last we reached a tree that made everything, every other tree look like a bush. Um, from a base of its downhill side to the crown, it was 2,119 feet high. My mother measured it for me days later. I didn't tell her why. It was almost half a mile tall. And this is the tribe tree, or Dax tribe tree. And it's got all these platforms built around and just like, yeah, just hundreds of hawk just living yeah. and doing the thing. Yeah. Stacking bark, putting it away. Uh, but, of course, they can't do math. Mm-hmm. You just know how big a pile you get through at a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they definitely don't have to count how much bark they need in order to survive a winter or mm-hmm. non-growing season or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. Definitely not. Yeah. They definitely also don't have writing to keep track of that. Mm-hmm. Oh no 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 no! <sighs> um, Sorry, I'm I brought down this wonderful scene. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You're good. It's right, and you you're right, and you should say it. Um, we also get this observation. One like Aldera stays in Chidu form and doesn't want anyone to mm-hmm. know 
who or what she is, and Dax just like they would not understand if I told them. But uh, she observes Corbusier sitting and telling stories, and she recognizes it's almost like classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they get down, they get high up, uh, and they're sort of like cl- so they can see clearly out over the void to the far side of the valley, mm-hmm. and uh, can see down. Uh, to the toxic blue, what the Hawk Bajir called Father Deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little platform up there, so uh, she demorphs for a little bit. And she's like, I stood on my own four hooves where no Andalai could ever possibly belong. And just with her four eyes, she takes in the sheer scale of everything around her. Which I assume is might be the picture. Uh, I don't know. Either way, it's good shit. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Look at these arms. Yeah, love them. See, it's it's chapters like this that make me wonder if the the dissonance between how the Hork-Bajir are described and how the Hork-Bajir are talked about mm-hmm. is on purpose, because like there can potentially be an angle here of like. Oh, the Andalites clearly don't know jack shit about the hork even though they claim that they do. And the hork obviously have this very rich culture and system of living mm-hmm. that uh, it just goes undescribed. It's like... And I'm not, this is not me, because the, the flaws in the writing and the, the stuff we get from Dak's perspective and how he talks yeah. about other Hawk Bajir. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say, but it makes me think very much about how um, when like colonizers move into spaces and just like, oh, look at these uh, things that just happen to be growing here. And yeah. stuff like that. And like, you know, they're like, people have been cultivating that crop for fucking generations. Like, yeah. And just yeah. like, oh, well, they don't understand this. Just, no, I think they understand it fucking plenty, but because they don't approach it in the same way you do. Yeah. And just like, okay. Um, like, even just like as far as the way people dress. And I am, you know, talking about obviously uh, our world and history. Just like, oh, well, you don't dress the way I do. Mm-hmm. So clearly you don't understand shoes, for example. It's just mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, well... Even though this is a really hot country, the fact that you wear such things like uh, you need to learn about modesty. Right. Hi, let me tell you about God and why he thinks you're a bad person. Right. Fuck off. Yeah. And as I said, like you were saying at the top, there are so many ways that even just small changes mm-hmm. would stop the book from leaving such an awful taste in my mouth. Yeah. yeah. It's... It's one of those things where it's like, I think I can see there's, there's glimmers a, in there. An intent or a purpose here, but it's wrapped up in so much garbage that is genuinely hard to untangle mm-hmm. like what is from the authors and what is from the characters. Yes. That like it it doesn't land like it should mm-hmm. if it were intentional. Um, also, it perpetuates a bunch of shitty stereotypes and yeah. ways of thinking. Yeah. In a book series that so often is clearly trying to be better. Yeah. 
it's uh yeah it it really makes me sad because there's so much like richness and potential here mm -hmm. that is effectively squandered um and that is part of why uh i subscribe to the canon that is in my head mm -hmm. um and kind of cherry pick what i deem is true about the series because uh -huh. there are so many just like internal inconsistencies that at a certain point you just gotta kind of mash together what makes sense and dear listeners that. if you too are frustrated by the portrayal of the hawk vizier in the animal of series i strongly recommend dumb kids playing hero where daniel danielle has said fuck that and uh had fun with the whole budget and i am I'll trying say, hard your work is seen and appreciated <laughs> uh but yeah um so uh after a very brief uh introduction to father deep in which dak tells aldrea uh you know our people say that uh it, it's a scary awful place that monsters live in, uh, so we don't go there, ever. Uh, you know, just hanging a lampshade, uh, mm -hmm. or on that foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. um, and then we cut to Esplin, uh, who has become the reigning expert on Andalites. <laughs> okay, because no one else cares. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love that so much. Yeah. Just like, because no one else cares. <laughs> Fucking incredible. Mm. Yeah. And he he spends his time imagining what it would be like to be an Andalite, to run and have four eyes and all of that. Um, how can a yerk used to the warm intimacy of the yerk pool truly understand what it is like to have four legs, to run, to see, to feel, to manipulate objects at will with delicate, precise hands, to have a deadly tail? It's not possible, not really, but I came closer to understanding than anyone else in the pool. Um, we get a oh. description of him interacting with the computer to just watch over and over again every single image that they have on the Andalites. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm going to give a heads up here. The way as it goes on that Esplin talks about yeah. wanting an... Right. It's covetous. Yeah. In the extreme degree. However, it is the kind of covetous where if it were a slightly different situation, I mean, it feels very... It does feel almost sexual in how he uh -huh. talks about it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we have to have him interacting with what is effectively a teenage girl uh -huh. being like, oh, I can't wait to fuck you. I can't wait to get in there. It's just sort of like, mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, it does like, it feels very much like that old school. It is that there is something. <sighs> I let me be clear. It's gross, but in a way I find interesting to read. A couple mm -hmm. of times where I go, "Ew, no!" I want to get a, a, a squirt gun and be like, "Badass one, no!" Mm -hmm. But it all adds to this really intriguing characterization. Mm -hmm. um, 
because I was like, he doesn't dismiss the, like, the fact that he describes the Yerk pools, this warm intimacy, mm-hmm. it's not described as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. He just wants this other thing more. And there's something real interesting for me today. But, um, so it's like, oh, I've just, hate the expression going native for so many reasons Mm -hmm. but he's becoming so obsessed with these andalites about knowing how to defeat them Uh but you're already understanding here like this is what i want for me i want to be this Mm -hmm. then this is why fucking viscera free has got a trunk try come kill the dumb kids because with all this (laughs) history about how much he liked being an andalite It's incredible to read. Just like, oh my. But um, yeah, this fucking hyperfixation on the Adelites. Um, but he learns everything about them, including their weaknesses, mostly important. And we get to see some of that in action later that really pays off. So I was like, that mm-hmm. was fucking cool. Um, yeah. But as, and it's months later, he's basically uh, forgotten. Or the memory has faded of what it was being like in the Ged. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, palp to palp, the message comes. He's been uh, allocated a host, a new species to try. Um, and we get, from his perspective, the failure with the Hordebrands and the uh, Ongaics. Uh, they found a new planet, new creatures. Three had been seized from the surface and brought aboard, and one is for him. He's not been briefed. He's not been given any explanation. Just swim up to the infestation pier and wait. And he's just like, as long as it's got eyes. <laughs> um, and uh, as, he doesn't ask questions. As soon as the, the head is there, the ear opening, he goes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it's a much larger ear. It's an easier infestation. And he notes the differences right away. Um and uh, he ties in, but uh, it's, so it wasn't the shock of the first infestation, but it was almost a revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's like, as he settles into the feeling of this new body, he's like cataloging what it can do, how the uh, hearing is excellent. The uh, the sense of smell is almost as good as his own. And we know how good Yerk's sense of smell is. It's like one of the few like mm-hmm. really honed ones they've got. And then just like how he realizes how dangerous this could be. Um, and he goes digging into the memories and the host is not being passive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and is screaming at him to get out. Um, and Esplin is as dismissive as you would imagine. And this creature. His mind is racing, clearly trying to stop him. Um, And Esplan's just laughing at this creature's attempts to throw him off. And Esplan's just having a great day. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm giddy. I was in a state of ecstasy. I could crush this mind with ease. Um, And he starts going deeper into the memories because he's fine. The creature's not going to be able to throw him off. And he starts flicking through these memories. It's life, stripping bark for food, leaping through the tall trees, sitting at night and telling stories handed down from generation to generation. 
and uh, re- realizes as he's like flicking through, as it were, uh, somebody is talking to him, but he's hearing it with like is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are two Ged uh, nearby, and he knows that one is uh, the host of uh, Janeth 429, who's like a super old Yerk and very wise. And the other is Actor 1154, who had led the uprising against the Andalites. Uh, Actor is the one who first understood the concept of using a host body to act as a predator. And it was Actor who had personally killed four of the Andalite scum. Um, and Actor is just like, is this right? And he's like, I asked you what you think. You study the Andalites. Could, can that body? be used to fight the Andalites. And um, the Ged is speaking Galar that they've learned this language from the Ongaic hosts and how it's the common intergalactic language because you can't speak Yurk with Ged mouths. So, um, and he, Esplin's just looking at all these blades off along this body, knowing what they're for. Um, but he's like just picturing an Andalite in his head. And just like immediately, he's like, "Yeah, these creatures can be the weapons." And so they're just like, "Okay, we're going to make them ours. This planet is where we make our stand. On this planet, we will build the foundations of a true Yurk Empire." I was there. Do you understand what this moment was? What it meant? I was there when Akdor announced the birth of the Yurk Empire. And. He has to be the one to tell them the name of this species because neither of these Yerks had bothered to, uh, or I just don't know the name of the species whose doom they had just pronounced. We get this chilling line of, I searched my new memory, ignoring the pitiful wailing cries that came from the shadow of the creature himself. They call themselves hawk Bajir, Actor. hawk Bajir. So, you know, <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. It's, I think a lot about the, the way that Esplin was trained. Uh-huh. And how, first he was trained, okay, this is how, this is the process by which you infest a host and take its body for your own. Um, and then here, we're going to give you 15 minutes in this host that doesn't really have a personhood anymore because it has been so beaten down and tired. And we're going to mm. give you the taste of sight, which we know can be extremely addictive. Um, the whole experience can be extremely addictive. We know this because we have experienced it. Because almost for sure, Actor is one of those Yerks, like Esplin, who got inside a host and was like, ah, yes, I'm never letting this go. Mm-hmm. And so Esplin was given this taste and then made to sit for months until the memory of it started to fade and become little more than uh, like a wishful thinking kind of thing. Yeah. And then he's given a new host. And immediately crushes it 
in not just like suppressing it, but in a nasty way. Like he yeah, is, he takes pleasure in it. He takes pleasure in it. It's really nasty. Um, and yeah. it just makes me think about how he's been trained to feel entitled to this experience mm. and to see anything that stands in his way as something that needs to be destroyed. Yeah, there's some other things like, this is my right. Yes. This is my birthright. I have been raised for this. I am meant to have this. Yes. And, and therefore just... You know what? It makes me think of incels. Yeah, that's where I was thinking. Um, which is probably in part because of the timeliness of this mm -hmm. recording. Um, but it, it makes me think of that, that whole culture that arises from, I have been promised a, a, a relationship, a sex life, a woman, essentially. And the fact that I haven't gotten that is not only an injustice, but it's their fault. Yeah. They and, are denying me what is mine. Right. And I am going to take that out on them. And uh. yeah, the, the comparison, I feel it apt because it is like the society that we live in mm -hmm. embeds this way of thinking in these young men. Mm -hmm. And it hurts them. Yeah. And then not all of them, but and then some of them go on to do horrific things. Do better, society. And I know it's a group effort. We're working on it, but you know, you know. I mean, at the moment, I'm dealing with seeing a lot of pushback in it from like various unpleasant talking heads in the UK about just how, oh, well, you know, um, this is because these kids are raised by like single mothers and st was uh -huh. a choice one. I saw just like, to be fair, also I did see a fucking I don't know which paper it was. It was an online article about like this new philosophy because this is really the first time for context uh anyone perhaps american listeners it might not have uh come across your radar there was a shooting in plymouth here in the uk this week um 22 year old guy and uh yeah but this is the one we don't have mass shootings here very often mm -hmm. the last one in the uk was in 2010 um so this is very like big news here um but yeah and there is he this guy had youtube videos and talked about like incels and stuff like that and now it's a talking point it's just like i don't know how certain portions of the media are so unaware of this mm -hmm. but i guess i am terminally online so and of a generation that's inclined to educate oneself but it's like <sighs> yeah uh yep it's bullshit mm -hmm. but uh let's get back to uh this particular narrative uh and its problems but also it's very engaging elements so yep. uh 
Uh, we're back uh, in Dak and yeah, he and Al Dreyer are just chilling on, uh, and it's been seven weeks since Al Dreyer did the Chadu morph, but she's done it a number of times since. But as they're hanging out, um, she's in her own form. She's like, I liked it best when she was Andalite. I could not care about a Chadu. I did care about Aldrea, the Andalite. She had taught me. She had shown me an entire universe unknown to my people. I was still greedy for knowledge, but Aldrea had begun to say that I knew all she knew. Was this true? It didn't matter. I needed Aldrea the way the leaves need Mother Sky. There was no one else for me to talk to. In many ways, I was no longer Hawk-Bajir. But when we were together and I looked at her delicate shape, I knew that I was not Andalite either. And the two of them, or uh, there's this sound happening and Aldrea's asking what it is. And it's always at this time of night. And uh, Dak explains how it's the speaking trees. Um, and she asks if it's like Andalite trees. And he's like, no. Uh, and we get a little nod to the guide trees. Um, but it, it's not, they call it the language of the trees, but really it's actually using them to communicate. And it's mm-hmm. like a form of music. They like pluck vines that have been stretched out. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so fucking cool. Yeah. But you know, they can't read. Yeah. So they're dumb. Yeah. Even Dak describes it as our prim- primitive communicators, where it's like, you learned how to make your trees into giant, like, cellos and use that to talk to other tribes that are very far away? Like, mm-hmm. that is so innovative. Like, Yeah, like, they talk about how it has to be a specific tree, type of tree, for a specific age because they become hollow and how the how long the vines have to be. And they, yeah, they literally play it, like Danielle said, like a cello, pulling a sapling across the vines. And it's like, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, Aldrea is the one that comments about it, how it being like a type of music. Mm-hmm. And Dak agrees, is like, yes, sad music tonight. It is the Southern tribe. They tell us that three of their people have been taken to Father Deep. And um, he's listening and gets away that Father Deep has created new monsters. They're small. That's strange. The monsters of the deep are always larger than us, yet these were small. Two legs, long arms, yellow eyes. Suddenly I felt Aldrea's hand grab my arm above the wrist blade. It was not the first time she had touched me. Usually I enjoyed the fact that she would grab me for balance or playfully slap and pretend upset or take my hand as we watched the sun turn red. But this was different. And Andrew's like, can you ask them a question? And it's clearly intense. It's like, uh, yeah, but you can't, as you can see with this system, it's not, can't do like complicated or elaborate words. He's just like, and he, he, he calls it primitive, not like an Andalite would use. And Andrew is just like, and I don't feel a little bit like pacifying him. Mm-hmm. Bitch, because she wants to ask this question. She's like, Dak, your people have their own strengths. Ask them about these monsters. And this point to her for how to ask a question that can be tra- asked mm-hmm. and responded to with this means of communication. 
and says, ask them whether these monsters moved in a clumsy, unbalanced way when they walked. And Dax just like, mm, okay, my people accept that I'm a seer, but I'm still young. It's not for me to ask to the trees to transmit messages. Um, but she is insistent, so he calls up to the speaking tree and uh, somebody sends out the message. He asks, uh, and as it goes, he asks Sadra, what is it that you fear? I'm not sure, she said. You do not know if your fear is realized, Aldrea, I pointed out, but you know what your fear is. She laughs. You keep surprising me, Dag. Every day you're sharper, smarter. You learn so quickly. Your use of language, your perception, it's incredible. You could enroll in any Andalite Academy tomorrow and... Thank you, I interrupted her. I have learned from you. I have even learned to recognize when someone is trying to avoid answering answering a question. (laughs) And she like looks at just like, I deserve that. Um, and is going to tell him what she's scared of. But then the answer comes back. Um, and how these monsters walk in a strange way as if their legs were different sizes. Um, the smile disappeared from Aldrea's eyes. They are, she said. Their legs are different lengths. We could never figure out why they evolved that way. Who are they? They're called Geds, Aldrea said. And she explains that the Geds aren't the problem, it's what they represent. Dak, you're the seer. You were born, you say, because your people would need you. Yes, I was born a seer because you Andalites were coming. We had need of one who could learn from you. I thought it was that too, Aldrea said softly. But we were both wrong. You were not born because of the coming of the Andalites. You were born because the Yurks are here. I love this chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how uh, close their relationship has obviously become. Uh, I love how Dak calls her on her bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this reveal at the end of the Yerks. Like, I wrote it in the doc, but even with the chapter that came comes directly before this, where we know that the Yerks are moving on the hork And even though I have read this book God knows how many times, <laughs> I still get chills when I read uh, that, that line. They are, their legs are different lengths. We never could figure out why they evolved that way. Like, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. <laughs> uh but yeah, the the plot is here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and we cut to Aldrea. Uh, it's a very very short chapter. It's one page basically, um, where Aldrea realizes, uh, what is happening. Uh, she explains to Dak that the Yerks are parasites. Um, they. Uh, She begins to explain what that means. Mm. um, And then she makes a realization that the Yerks are in orbit. And this is the time of night every night when her father beams his report back to the home world. And if the Yerks are in orbit, they're going to intercept that message. And she runs. She, she, all out, she runs. Um, This is so much 
Like mm-hmm. these next couple of bits, like she's like, Dax not a concern anymore. She's like, I have to stop my father from broadcasting. I had to stop that transmission. And she's two miles from the scoop. Two miles of running around this planet with all of its massive trees on a slope and just have there's no direct way to get there. Um and but she knows as she gets there she's too late because Ciro's always punctual. And because Andalites have that innate sense of time, she knows the message went 15 minutes ago. Still I ran. I could make out the lights of the scoop. I could see shadows and silhouettes as my father or mother or brother moved in front of the lights. I could imagine every detail. My mother working at her computer, entering a precious DNA analysis of some strange new flower she'd found. My brother playing a hollow game, lancing imaginary enemy ships. My father, my father standing quietly on his own, thinking, remembering, imagining, dreaming his hopeful dreams. That is the picture I want to hold on to forever, not what happened next. And then we cut to Esplin, who is living it up in his new Hawk Bajir body. Um... The only unpleasant part being the nagging cries of the Hawk Bajir mind. And then, because, you know, we don't get enough ableism from everybody else, it wasn't that he refused to accept the new reality. He was simply too stupid to know what was happening, too stupid to understand. But at least, I say at least, that's the sort of yerk arrogance that we're used to seeing about hosts. Just like, oh, they all give up eventually. Mm-hmm. They don't understand how pointless it is. It's just like, hmm. Given what we see of all Hawk Bajir in this book, like, nah, they know and they will fight. Mm-hmm. Given given the reason to, they fight. Um, but we get this observation. Um, he's walking through this Andalite ship. And there's some real cool details here about the old model of Andalite ship. Mm-hmm. How the ceilings have got holographic images of the sky, of the, and- of the Andalite homeworld sky, and that the floor once grew grass of different colors. Um, and how about because Andalites hate confinement, that's why they're building the dome ships. Um, but in, before that, they just have these artificial skies and grass like in their ships. But um, the grass has long since died because it's not like they need it. Um, and the Yerks don't fear don't fear confinement. Um, but they are approaching the uh, yeah, and he's on uh, one of the ships, and they are like in orbit around the planet. But we get the description of the Armada as it is: a pair of Andalite fighters, uh, four altogether, plus the Andalite transport ships. They've got a small Ongaic craft, three Skritnar ships. The Skritnar ships are slow but well armed. The Ongaic ships are faster but no weapons. Um, and yeah, he's just, and he takes in the sight of the Hawk Bajir planet. And then another um, Hawk Bajir controller comes up, Karga 7901, uh, who Aspen has known for a while and never liked. Um, <laughs> too crude, too violent, too ambitious. <laughs> just like, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, if Esplin is saying that, this dude must be really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and we get this nod about how uh, a new hierarchy is being created in the Yerk Empire. 
Um, because everyone's saying, if we're going to be an army, we need a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Council of Thirteen will still be at the top, but then there's going to be vissers and subvissers. And Cargo has already started referring to himself as a subvisor, and nobody's contradicted him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cargo's just like, come with me, just like, why don't ask questions, just come. And Esplin follows him. Mm-hmm. Um, but this ship has picked up the Andalite broadcast. Um, and recognize that yep, there's probably just four we believe that there's four Andalites on the planet they must be killed before they discover our presence um, this is Agnor here and Kug's just like I'd be honored to do it and she's like yeah no doubt <laughs> but you're only going so we can put the Hawkbridge bodies to use uh, we're going to attack from the craft from a distance but if uh, if they aren't all killed you two go after the survivors and Esplin is like, mmm, because <laughs> he knows Andalites. Mm-hmm. He knows the, how dangerous they would still be, even without weapons. But he would rather die than admit those doubts. This was the path to power. To be there in the first combat use of Hawkbajir hosts would be an important thing. And if Karga could call himself a subvisor, why shouldn't I be one as well? But um, they circle round. <laughs> Esplin tries to flex a little with mm-hmm. his knowledge of uh, Andalite ships. And the pilot is just like, yeah, we know. <laughs> We've ship. been flying this for a while. Thanks. <laughs> um, um, Carger gloats. Uh, and... Uh, I haven't had the Geds laugh too because the ability mm-hmm. to express joy with mouth sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and Esplin's Esplin. prepared to be the party pooper here, just like, I only see three Andalites. Mm-hmm. And, and Carter's just, just like, like, oh, well, the fourth is probably just further inside. And Esplin's like, no, I've been studying this. Andalites don't take shelter unless they have to, in the depth of a cold night or to avoid harsh weather or to fend off an attack. Uh, they hate being confined. And Carter is just like, you're an Andalite lover, Esplin. <laughs> and Esplin recognizes this as the k- attack that it is. The the mm. kind of put down that's like, mm, be careful how much you're talking about this, because people will yeah. get the wrong idea. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some, uh, mm, that just, that feels like a very, I say, coded homophobic kind of a vibe but mm-hmm. that's the feel there for sure mm-hmm. don't ask uh, don't tell yeah and uh, the fighters don't listen to Esplin they listen to Carger and they uh, destroy the scoop they shoot it and we cut immediately <clears throat> back to Aldrea who is helpless to watch as the shredder beams fire down from this Andalite ship and the scoop explodes. Uh, the air pockets and the construction material superheated in a microsecond and exploded. The moisture in the ground and the grass and soil turned to steam in half the blink of an eye and exploded. Everything that could burn, burned. And everything can burn in the heat of a shredder at full power. Everything. And Aldrea has to watch that. 
mm-hmm. and sees her family die. The scoop was all flames and explosions. I didn't see my family burn. I didn't see them, but I knew it was happening. And she can't stop screaming. The two fighters fire until there's nothing left but fused glass, molten slag. Uh, And Dak grabs her from behind as she's screaming. She whips her tail around without thinking because, honestly, Of course she would. Mm -hmm. Um, And he takes the blow on his left arm. Her tail blade slices through a bit of his wrist blade. Um, And Dak is telling her, you know, we have, we have to get away from here. And she, she can't focus, can't think, can't do anything. Um, And Dak's like, look, they're going to come back to check to make sure what they did. We have to leave here. And he, grabs her and turns her away from the scene and takes her hand gently in his two hands and makes her face him. Which, of course, only takes her main eyes off of the scene and not her stock eyes. But it's enough to make her listen to him. As you said, Eldrea, this is why I was born a seer, to save my people from these yurks who have done this evil thing, but I cannot do it alone. You must help me. Help? I sobbed. Help what? Help me to understand, to understand this evil, Dak said. Will you help me understand this evil? I was sick, so sick with fear and hatred. I wanted to, to die just to make the sickness stop. But Dak had showed me a way to live, a reason to endure the violence eating away at my insides. No, I won't help you to understand, I said. But I will help you kill Yerks. That I will do. I will help you kill them, and kill them, and kill them, and kill them all. I screamed in powerless rage at the sky where I knew the yurks were hiding. Kill them all, I cried. Kill them all.